Today, we're going to be talking about the whole area of confession. Why? Because every one of us damages relationships. I don't know anybody in this life that is perfect. And to repair a relationship, it takes confession, both with God and with others. Hi, this is Eric Hurd, and my podcast is called Relationships by the Book. So why that title? Well, I lived 18 years of my life apart from God, apart from His Word. And my family was one of the most dysfunctional families to grow up in, and we didn't understand relationships. And when I came to know Christ, it absolutely transformed me from the inside out. And I began to understand God's wisdom because I dug into His Word and I saw how much He had to say about relationships. I've been a pastor now for over 45 years, and so this podcast is really an accumulation of the wisdom God's given me in relationships that I want to share with you. All right. So, Eric, why the topic of confession? Oh my goodness, great question. I had somebody else ask me about that. And it really goes back to, you know, I think about my relationship with God. How does somebody start a relationship with God? It starts with the recognition of my brokenness, my sin. And, uh, and what God calls me to do is to confess it, uh, my need for a Savior, because why embrace Jesus Christ if I'm not a broken, sinful person? I need Him to forgive me. I need Him to cover my transgressions. Because when that happens, instead of the there no bridge, just two cliffs between God and I, what confession does is it bridges the gap. I now can have a relationship with God. And what is true in our relationship with God is no different than our relationship with human beings. Mm. When I sin, when I hurt somebody, and I don't confess it, oh my goodness, I've literally burnt the bridge and I'm impeding the relationship, and I, I leave it to a lot of things like slander and bitterness and anger and frustration, you know, distrust. And so why confession? It is an essential discipline in everyone's life. Mm, interesting, yeah. It, sometimes it's so hard to get there. And like you're saying, these, these outcomes that are negative that happen just, you know, we stumble into these slander and things you're talking about isn't that interesting that it just happens because we, we don't intend to be that way right but it comes natural it comes naturally see we've been doing it since the fall of man i mean when you think about how god gave one directive to man don't eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil think how easy is that don't cross the line so what does man do you know and what does woman do they eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil mm-hmm. But remember what they did immediately after. They covered themselves because now they felt shame and guilt. Before that, the first two chapters of Genesis, everything's perfect. Mm. Then they sin, and what do they do? They cover themselves because of the shame and the guilt. And then what the funniest part is, they hid from God. Mm. Now, I can laugh at them, (laughs) but don't I do the same thing. And from that point on, man has been hiding. Because see, we really feel that if people really knew us, if we really confessed our sin, ah, they'd reject us, they'd walk away. Now, an immature, broken person might, but really healthy people can embrace 
a confession. Mm. And certainly God does. So, yeah, I think that we've been running from our sin since the garden. Yeah, that's so interesting. Listening to you talk about that and hiding, it, it, I just remember this moment I have, had the other night. Mm. Every night we put our kids to bed. Yeah. We have our routine, right? We give them a bath. We read a book. Then we turn off the lights. Mm. We, we sing a couple of songs that they know. And then we pray. And I could hear myself praying to the kids in the dark. And I, I just, I heard myself and I sounded rehearsed. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I, I literally started to giggle a little bit because I, I just acknowledged God, like you hear me, mm -hmm. I'm so rehearsed in this right now. Like if you're really God, the God of the universe, I'm going to speak to you from such a different place than this rehearsed prayer. And that acknowledgement, I couldn't hide. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and then confession just can't, comes out yeah. when you really acknowledge God, right? That's it. And if you can't acknowledge the little things, like, you know, I look at that, Michael, and I go, well, that was a big sin. <laughs> but I mean, in all seriousness, there's levels of sin. We know all sin is sin, but the reality is to hide from it. Mm -hmm. If I start hiding in the little areas, I'll hide in the big areas. I mean, there are so many pitfalls and damaging effects of a person who doesn't confess. Yeah, yeah. So uh, we've got a couple questions oh. as last time, and here we are in our second podcast. Ooh, man, I didn't think we'd get here. I didn't think we'd get here. <laughs> uh, we got the upgraded microphone, so hopefully we sound a little better. And um, just like last time, we've got a, a couple of questions. Mm. So we, we discussed why the topic of confession. Now let's talk about what makes it difficult yeah. for a person to confess that they've been that they've done something wrong mm. you know it's it's interesting that um one of the things that uh, jesus so warned people against is judgment see it, it comes very natural for us to look at another person and go i can't believe they did this or i can't believe they said that i wished i could say i've never been a judgmental person i don't think again there's another human being that could ever say that apart from jesus and so it's much easier to judge, to look at the sins of another than to actually look at the brokenness and sin in yourself. Like, you know, I, I work with a lot of marriages. And one of the things that couples do in, in marriage is they hide from each other as if their partner doesn't see their brokenness and sin. And, you know, it, by its very nature, the word confess means to agree with somebody something they already know. So in 1 John 1, 9, when God says, confess your sins, you know, if you confess your sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive your sins, cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Well, when I confess my sin to God, he doesn't go, oh my gosh, I didn't know that. But it really is, now he knows that I know. Mm -hmm. And now change can happen. So I believe the reason people don't confess, it doesn't come natural, much easier to judge another person. Like, uh, again, in, in my marriage work, um, I will have couples come in, and as soon as I ask the question, tell me about your marriage, it's so interesting. In all the times that I've worked with couples, I've never had one spouse, literally in decades of working with couples, ever go, you know, the problem's me. <laughs> never. <laughs> because, again, it doesn't come natural, and we're afraid that if we confess, our partner's going to use it as a weapon. 
that someday down the road, they're going to hit us up on that. Remember when you confess that. You're the same person. You know, or the thing of, if you knew me, you would reject me. So there's so many reasons people don't confess. I know the reasons I don't. And I classically like people to to love me, to embrace me. Because I, I grew up in a family where I didn't really feel that much love. And so there's this insatiable desire for people to like me. Well, if I confess, what are they going to think of me? Yeah. Plus, as a pastor, I've got to hold this position of holiness and truth. And But what I have found is when I confess, I become a human being. And instead of peeping, people being repelled, people are drawn in. And so there's a lot of reasons people don't confess sin. Mm. And yeah. that, that is true in marriage, yeah. business, friendships, any relationship that you might be in, something mm -hmm. like that, that, you know, obviously marriage, they're going to know the most about their spouse, but any relationship that you're in, you learn about each other, you invest in each other, and then when you're hiding like that, yeah. th that it can happen in any relationship, right? Yeah, and, and you think about it, one of the things that confession does is it keeps you from arrogance. Yeah. Again, you enter into the human race. That. And I don't care who you are. You know, I, I will never forget um, uh, the former pastor I, I, I used to work with, a guy named Chuck Swindoll. And I'll never forget an event that happened where uh, he had jumped to some conclusions that I had, um, or that one of the pastors at the church had, had mismanaged a room and it was all messed up. There was cake on the floor, chairs strewn around, all of that. It was a birthday party for some of our leaders. And Unfortunately, the pastor's meeting was in that same room the next morning, and he lit into the pastors saying, I don't know who left this room in this kind of condition, but the, the custodians have been trying to clean this up, and you know, we, we, this is just an offense, and I can't believe somebody did that. Well, all the other pastors are looking at me like, you're toast. Well, I remember after the meeting going to Chuck's um, office and uh, saying, hey, that person was me. And I want to tell you what happened. And what had happened is I had got called away on attempted suicide of one of our high schoolers. And I was up late into the morning and didn't get back to the church, didn't get there early in the morning to clean it up. I had intended on it. And then I looked at him and he began to tear up. And he said, I can't believe I did this to you. And he said, man, can you forgive me? And I'm thinking, this is Chuck Swindoll, the guy that, I mean... It's one of the greatest leaders I've ever been around. And he's asking me to forgive him. And, uh, and he said, I'll get the leaders back together and, and, and we'll clear this up. I said, you don't need to do that. And he said, no, I need to do that. I said, no, please, we're fine. And uh, so I went to lunch. And I came back from lunch. <laughs> I'll never forget it. There was a two-page letter of apology, Whew. I still, it's as if it happened yesterday. To have a man of that noble character, of that capacity and capability, forgive or, or ask forgiveness, that didn't repel him from me. I didn't lose respect for him. I just, like, that's why I'm telling the story now, because it mattered. And I thought, what an example. What confession does is it brings us into humanity. It strips us of arrogance and pride. 
and and it, it it bonds us to people. It has this magnetic quality. Now again, there are people out there that are unhealthy, and I know that there are people that you might confess, and they still will hold bitterness. They won't forgive you. But see, you're never responsible for people's reactions. Mm. You're responsible to be obedient. So if I'm worried about how people are going to respond, that's the wrong focus. The focus needs to be my heart needs to confess. God never calls me to do something out of just rote memory or, or discipline. He calls me to do something that strengthens my heart, that helps me to become more like Jesus. And, uh, and so, yeah, confession's a big thing for me. And, and I've had some of the best model it for me. I love that story. It's so interesting to me. I mean, I love the story just because you're my father-in-law and mm. I can picture you going through all that. But uh, so many of us, we see a pastor and we just, you know, we put him in this box that they're perfect and they're wonderful. And But he was a, he's a person just yeah. like you. Yeah. And for you, your perspective, he was your boss. Yes. And, you know, you have that relationship of, He's your leader. He's your boss. He could fire you. There's risks. And so, you know, you might have been scared to go confess to him. And just listening to you tell the story right here, kind of working that out in my mind, it just, it reminds me that we're all people. And no matter if it's some all-star person, whatever they are, celebrity, pastor, CEO, I don't care, or just the employee. And um, where I'm kind of getting at here is... The word confession, especially in the Christian realm of conversations, can be such a weighty word. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, I've never been to confession in a Catholic sense (laughs) or anything, but like my mind kind of jumps to that image when we bring this up. So I love that story because it just makes it so tangible and personal. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, and the pitfalls of not confessing, oh my gosh, again... You're not a part of the human race. You're, you're not, you know, uh, you're holding on to arrogance or fear or whatever it may be. You know, I was thinking about King David. All of us are aware, and by the way, everything, every time I think of some of the characters in the Bible that, you know, these stories have been shared for generation after generation. I've always thought, imagine my story in the Bible. Man, somebody's telling my sin year after year after year. Don't do what Eric did. But here we have the story of David, you know, with Bathsheba and, you know, uh, Uriah the Hittite and, you know, how he's an adulterer, then a murderer, and he hid in his sin. And boy, when you go to Psalm 51 or you go to Psalm 32, he talks about the pitfall. In fact, uh, in in Psalm 32, uh, verse 3, he says, When I refused to confess my sin... I was weak and I was miserable. I groaned all day long. Day and night, your hand of discipline was heavy upon me. My strength was evaporated like water into the summer heat. But finally, I confessed all of my sins to you and stopped trying to hide from them. And I said to myself, I will confess my rebellion to the Lord and you forgave me. And my guilt was gone. And I think about that thing of, of that I was weak and miserable. When you're holding on to sin, oh my, the damage it does to your psychological well-being, the damage that it does in your relationship with God, the distance it puts between you and others. You know, I remember um, I had a really 
a tenuous relationship with my stepdad, and I was so convinced of how wrong he was, how much he had hurt me. And I remember my youth pastor, when I was 18 years old, said, well, write down all the things he did against you. And I wrote seven and a half pages. Oh, <laughs> oh yeah. Wow. He said, man, you need to forgive your dad. So I did. And I literally went down to this beach and built a fire. And I metaphorically threw each page into the fire. And, and what forgiveness means, it means canceling the debt. So I get back to my youth pastor. I said, hey, I forgave my father. He goes, well, you're not done. I said, what do you mean I'm not done? He goes, what about your sins? I go, I'm 18. What did I do to my dad? He goes, did you ever steal money out of his wallet? Did you ever steal his alcohol and drink it? Did you ever have parties when your mom and dad were out of town? Did you ever slander your dad? I'm going, how did you know that? He goes, I had an alcoholic father too. <laughs> and he said, I think you've got your confession letter going. And I remember writing about a page and a half. Didn't matter. You know, he may, I may have written seven and a half pages on, on him, but I wrote my letter. And I said, well, what am I supposed to do with this? He said, go and share it with him. I said, oh my gosh, he'll kill me. He said, well, you'll go to heaven. <laughs> and back then, that was not funny to me. But I will remember, and this was this powerful moment, a defining moment in my life, where I, I saw the power of confession. Because I did think my dad would, would attack me. And I remember reading the letter to him. And I kept looking down because I think he's going to hit me. And when I get done with the letter, I looked up. And he was emotional for the first time I can remember. And I said, can you forgive me? And he said, me forgive you? I need you to forgive me. And he started naming all these things he had done. That's what reconciliation is. See, he owned his stuff. I own mine. The bridge was built. It would be years later that my father, my stepfather would come to know Christ. And that was instrumental in him coming to know Christ. Because remember, our relationship with God started with our need, mm -hmm. our need to confess. Then truth wins out. See, it's very interesting in, in, uh, in the book of James, in, in chapter five, it says, confess your sins to one another. Pray for one another so that you might be healed. See, one of the huge benefits of confession, it's this turning. It's not only that the other person is gonna be healed, I'm healed, why? Because I'm acknowledging the truth about myself. I'm living with integrity. I'm not hiding anymore. I'm not afraid of losing a relationship anymore. And I'm, I'm literally, when I confess my sin, I'm putting my hand out saying, can we have fellowship? Can we have relationship? Now, the other person can either put their hand out or not. But again, I don't want to let the fear of the response keep me from doing the right thing. There's the old saying, do the right thing because it's the right thing to do. And confession, oh, it's not only biblical, it's just the right thing. It's the wise thing to do. Yeah, why, why do you think we get so fearful of the response? 
Like, well, I mean, your story, mm-hmm. how cool. Like, your humility and you, you know, you stepped up to the plate in humility and asked him to forgive you, which mm-hmm. you could have easily been proud in that moment and said, here are the things I'm upset about. Yeah. And it promoted and it inspired him to ask you to forgive. Okay. So, you, 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 you were mentioning something really important. If I come with accusation, like had my dad done things against me? Oh, seven and a half pages. If I had come to him and said, I want you to read this, or instead I'm going to read it, and I start talking about his sin, I'm putting him on his heels. He's going to have to defend himself. But I didn't do that. I started with my confession, which caused him to move toward me, not to lean away from me. So if I want relationship, I don't come with accusation. I come with confession. Own your stuff. Doesn't come natural. It's it's not easy. It is wrought with challenges. But man, there is a freedom that comes because I'm living the truth. I'm living with integrity. And uh, like in in, uh, Ephesians chapter uh, 5, verse uh, 25, or excuse me, 425, it says this, So lay aside falsehood, speak truth, each one of you with your neighbor. There's another directive. Confess, be honest. Come on, we're human beings. We can be good with that. Mm. I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. Well, cool. Um, Let's see if we have... Another question here. Well, we kind of answered it already. But mm-hmm. The question that I wrote down was, what, what are the benefits of confessing our wrongdoing? Yeah, let's go through a litany of them. I think, I think first of all, we're not hiding anymore. Second of all, it, it, it loosens up that thing that we have to want to impress people. It could, it could keep us from arrogance or pride. And, uh, you know, because you can look at all the biblical characters who had sinned and hid and, and, and look what it did to them. I, I think it makes you small when you can't admit and confess. It makes you really small. Like, you're so weak. It's, you know, it's like, um, what, and, and we've all been guilty of this, of slandering or gossiping about somebody. Why do we do that? Because we're small. <laughs> because we got we to gotta tear down others to make ourselves feel better. We want to feel good. Yes. In actuality, we're making ourselves small. Yeah, it's a lack of a clear identity. You know, uh, Jesus said something really critical in the Gospels where he says, as a man thinks in his heart, so he is. If I'm small and I can't own my own brokenness and sin, oh my gosh, I'll act that out. I'll slander, I'll judge, I'll gossip, I'll criticize. There are so many negative traits that come out of an inability to confess. And the other part of it is, in, 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 in my work, you know, uh, I, I, I happen to have a treatment center that I, I work at, and I work with these clients, and most of them have had very unhealthy relationships like I did. I was a, I was a drug addict, drug dealer. And, and for me... I was medicating my pain. I, I had no healthy relationships. I couldn't be honest about myself. And I was way more concerned about how people hurt me, but never looking at how I, I hurt others. I stole from people. I lied to people. I exaggerated my accomplishment. I used... There were, there were a lot of things I did 
because I was judgmental and couldn't own my own brokenness. And so in, in, this, in this treatment center liftoff, when I work with the clients, I, I, I want to get them to quit looking at everybody else that hurt them and begin to own their own brokenness. Because you can't control anybody else. You can have self-control. And if you can begin to own your brokenness, you'll find it easier to forgive the people that have hurt you. Because whatever sin is in them is in you to some degree or another. And so the pitfalls of a lack of confession are many and abundant. But the benefits, you become whole, integrous, you're big in people's eyes, you're a relationship builder, you're not destroying. It keeps you from all those maladies of gossip and slander and exaggeration, lying, all of that. And I'll tell you, there is a, a weight off of you. You know, there's, there's the, the old saying, if you speak the truth, you don't have to have a good memory. If you're confessing sin, you don't have to have a good memory. You're not hiding. So true. Yeah. And again, is it easy? No. It doesn't come natural. You have to pursue it. It has to be an intentional act. And I, I don't think, you know, uh, that you can do it on your own. I think it takes God, his power, his spirit inside of you to help you to become the man he wants you to be. And so, so many benefits, but there's also so many liabilities if you don't. Yeah. And so I'm glad we've had this conversation. Uh, because it's it's impacted my life. It's it's healed relationship, and you know honestly, I look at the ministry I've had in the trenches with people over the last forty five years, and I go, you know, that there's the old leadership adage or, or axiom: you can't lead somebody where you haven't been. And I I believe that I've become a good model of confession. Perfect? No, I can hide just like anybody else, but. But there's this intentional desire I have to just own when I'm wrong. And uh, in fact, uh, I'll leave with this because uh, your wife, my daughter, would know this, as would my son, is that there have been periodic times where I've said, hey, has there been any way that I've hurt you that I might not be aware of? And the reason I ask that question is sometimes I'm blind mm. to how I hurt people. That's an intentional act I have of wanting to keep relationships whole and strong because I know my brokenness. I know I can be insensitive, argumentative on a good day, and, and, but I don't want to hurt people. I want healthy relationship. Yeah. Okay, before we finish, because yeah. you really just opened my mind something, it seems like a lot, you know, these are important questions when you ask someone to forgive you yes. or ask someone if you've done any wrong. Timing is pretty mm. key. So the, the timing of going and asking someone, I mean, touch on that. So good. It, it is, there is a timetable. And, uh, but when, when the Holy Spirit, when God brings it to your attention, write it down. Make sure you know what it is you're confessing. And then it is uh, asking if you can meet with somebody. Hey, I have something I need to share with you. And so when would be a good time for you? Well, what do you want to talk about? I just... I just need to meet. And so it's when it's convenient for them. And, and again, here's what I would say. In the meeting, say, I need, need to confess something to you. And you confess it. And then you say, this is what I did to you. Is there any other way I may have hurt you that I'm not aware of? Because again, blindness. 
And I'll tell you, I can't think of a time, honestly, Michael, where I've done that, that the person didn't forgive me. Seriously, maybe it's because I'm around a lot of healthy people, but I think most people want to forgive. And here's the reason why. Because they're broken just like me. And they would want to receive forgiveness and have somebody receive their confession. Do unto others as they would as you would want them to do unto you. And so you're just taking that first move. Yeah, you're taking the first step. I love you bet. that. Cool. What a great conversation. Thank you so much. Absolutely. Thank you, Michael. All right. Until next time. You bet.